So here it is. He's, he's Rob and I uh, with three amazing guests live on stage in Edinburgh from earlier in September. Uh, that's four amazing guests, Dave. Is it four? <laughs> no, <laughs> let's stick with three. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Cloud Realities, a conversation show exploring the practical and exciting alternate realities unleashed through cloud-driven transformation. I'm Dave Chapman. I'm Shao Kazal. And I'm Rob Kernahan. And Shalk, while you were away moving house over the summer, mm-hmm. Rob and I were lucky enough to do a live show in Edinburgh, right Rob? Moonlighting on the oh, podcast, wow. yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it was good. It was a good show. It was probably the biggest live that we've done in terms of you know um full on stage uh with well, some you know visuals behind us and some nice music and things like that so it was great and we were lucky enough to have some amazing guests that rob will cover in a second and the general gist of what we were talking about was applied ai of course so yeah exactly it, yeah. Is, it is the subject of the moment um and we talked about it with uh, a company called sage Sage are the market leader for integrated accounting, payroll, and payment systems, supporting the ambition of the world's entrepreneurs. And Sage have been working with AI for quite some time now. So we were lucky enough to have uh, one of their chief data scientists on with us talking about what they're doing. And we had some additional guests who joined us who were speakers elsewhere in the conference. Um, and they brought their different perspectives. So, Rob, who did we have with us? So, we had a, um, a diverse set, like you said. We have uh, Ahmed Salin, who's a principal data scientist from Sage. We had uh, Fiona Sweeney from Women in Data. We had Theo Priestley, um, who's been on the podcast before, who's a futurist. And we had Robert Engels, who is a Gen AI magician. And uh, it was a really good conversation. And I think a few of the key things for me that came out was sort of like the new accessibility to AI, the human interface to it, the sort of rise of what ChatGPT fuels the revolution, um, the need for confluent technology to bring it all together. There's good points there um, around the uh, how do we integrate it all to make true value and not think in technology uh, and silos. Let's not, let's not forget another opportunity for you, for you to use the word confluent. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. Well, this is where it came from. So I did actually pinch it from Theo. So thank yeah, you, yeah, Theo. Yeah. I'm overusing the phrase in many conversations that I have. Um, we brought up the data bias in AI. Uh, from uh, with Fiona about making sure you have diverse teams managing data so you don't get positive reinforcement on that. And then there's a wider point there about we were already, you know, um, uh, str- um, sorry, there's an edit point there. That's uh, easy for you to say, Rob. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> yeah, indeed. But there's a whole thing about we're already consumed by um, digital transformation and that's hard enough already for for a lot of us and then we throw in a bit of ai just for fun over the top of it to say everybody's got to do this because it can transform your business and can the human system cope with all that is going on so a good conversation um from the guests so would you like to hear the conversation shall yes of course well so here we are so he's rob and i with four amazing guests on stage in edinburgh from earlier this month
great to see you, Ahmed. Um, do you want to say a little bit about yourself and just introduce who you are? So I'm Ahmed Salhin, I'm a principal data scientist at Siege. And um, if you're not from the UK, uh, Siege is um, uh, the market leader in business management uh, software. So we, we have accounting, um, payroll, um, HR, HS, HCM uh, products and payment systems. We operate in 20, over 20 countries and we have a little bit over uh, 11,000 colleagues worldwide. And in terms of like the market, just to put in perspective, so around 40, over 43% of UK businesses pay their colleagues through Siege at the moment. And at the moment, you guys are engaging at the beginning of a, a fairly substantial transformation. Um, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So before we get into um, like the AI embedding, maybe just say a word about what you guys are trying to do and what kind of experiences you're trying to create. So just like we're trying to enhance like the Sage experience uh, through the Sage network, it's uh, it's our um, our product right now. It's a platform that connects uh, Sage uh, customers to their customers and to their vendors. So trying to unify that experience and 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 make it uh, make it solid and like good experience. So the if uh, let's uh, let's say that in, you. Want to interact uh, as a customer with your customers and vendors and onboard them. You are not in isolation if they are already in the network. That makes it easier in, in terms of like communication and interaction uh, moving uh, moving on. Very good. So in terms of the experience, then, so I'm a, uh, I'm a I'm a mechanic or I'm a hairdresser, and I'm using Sage software to try and interact in a way that I don't want to go on. You know, I'm not a bookkeeper. Or I'm not an accountant. I don't want to go on and actually have to think about. Um, how I do that, how, how you embed it, what, what do you, just take us through your process of, of, of how you're using experience design and AI to help me as one of your customers. Yeah, absolutely. So we, um, we have been investing in, um, in AI for several years now, so mm. it's, it's not new to us. So we released our first uh, AI-powered chatbot, but it wasn't generative uh, AI in the sense that was back in 2016. Uh, and then we developed like more solutions that we integrate with uh, with our products. So what what Sage is trying to do is that business owner, for example, like or an accountant, they they wear multiple hats like during the day, doing multiple tasks, they jumping from task to task, bookkeeping, like doing like vast submissions, mm. bank reconciliation, and that really drains their time. And we are trying to use AI to automate that, but also like provide them a capacity that they can add to their teams, uh, saving, saving time so they can focus on more of the high value strategic, uh, strategic aspects of their businesses that they don't have basically the time, uh, the time to do. And uh, Capgemini did some work with you on OpenAI recently. You just want to give us a quick little summary of what that was and how that fit into your overall portfolio. So our, um, um, it's like the, the perspective that we have, uh, as I said, like with the Sage Network, uh, that we are trying, uh, trying to do in uh, those uh, generative AI products that we are, uh, we are trying like, to embed. Uh, we have our own, we have um, experts, AI experts in more than seven countries uh, around the world, and all their focus is to look at customer needs. It's just relating to what, what Theo talked about. It's not... It's not just like finding use case and then just doing, doing it, but really looking at the pain points, like the customer needs, and we find something that is worth doing by AI in a safe and more secure uh, way and an ethical way, then the team start developing, uh, developing it and uh, deploying it to our customers. 
uh, and that, that kind of like partnerships like in the ecosystem of the businesses also helps like us connecting to the outside world and understanding it. And as you were going on that journey, interestingly, as you've developed your experience and more mastery around AI, was there something you reflect on as you look back and you think, oh, I wish I did that a bit better? Or the, the, the learning cycle, that continuous loop of you tried something, you tried something different, you tried something different, and then a you got lot. success. Yes. What was the big <laughs> thing that you maybe thought, oh, if only I knew before I started? So I think, I think just like looking at the generative AI, it's, 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 this is an amazing example. So we, we started talking about generative AI quite some time ago, but we didn't really um, capture like the, um, how it is transformative in the delivery of the technology, mm -hmm. not the technology itself. So when you look at GBT models, they have been around for quite some time. We have seen them, we have experimented with them for quite some time. But then when it came to ChatGPT and just putting that interface and having that kind of um, delivering the technology to customers in, in, in a new way, that, that's something that we, we saw like from the market and then we started doing. So if we go back in time and say, oh, actually, we can realize that uh, earlier um, uh, than what we, we have already like released some generative AI um, solutions and we working on a digital assistant that we are very excited uh, to be releasing to the market and then uh, going to be embedded within Excel. So we're working hard on that now. It's, it's very huge. And I think that was the uh, huge leap of interaction for the human with the AI Absolutely. model, wasn't it? It made it very accessible to the masses. And that was a big reason why there was such a, a, a you know, a lot of hype about it. Absolutely. And I'll and give you an example, like, um, uh, is one of the things like talking about the agents, like, it cannot be in, in isolation of other machine learning mm -hmm. um, solutions as well. So one, one product that we released um, a few years ago is called GL Outlier Detection. And um, currently it reviews 15 million transactions per week and is uh, helping customers like detecting errors and correcting them before posting to the general ledger. And this is traditional machine learning from the sense that it's not, it's non-generative. And building cash flow for casting model also traditional. But then when you look at uh, generative models and then you rely on those and detecting the outliers and doing cash, it's not good at this. It's not meant to be for this. But it can deliver what the agent can do, like in, in terms of like GL outlier detection, cash flow forecasting. So you can ask it, can you predict uh, like the cash balances in the next three months for me? And it will be able to do yeah. that uh, for you. So, so when, you, um, when you look at that, that increased acceleration that we talked about, that Theo talked about, that Rob, just, that Rob just outlined as well. What does it feel like as an organization to be in that race? So you're in a race against your competitors who are also probably looking at similar things. Is it, is it a pure acceleration? Or are you looking at functionality and differentiation? It's functionality and differentiation. And one element that we are focusing on, um, uh, it's, it's actually best of both. Um, but the element that uh, we have an, um, a maximum, like a saying at Sage that, we should uh, match our investment in automation mm. and technology with an equivalent amount of investment in trust. And that, that creates workloads, huge workload that we do, uh, but it's very important. So it might slow uh, us down just to make sure that what we deliver responsible AI, so what we deliver to the customers, it's not hallucinating, it's not, uh, it's not doing something that is not supposed supposed to do and that differentiate uh, the products at the end and then like get us like in the competition in a, in a very well position. So I suppose to bring Theo in, we see a lot of people 
getting to grips with, you had the digital transformation, the confluent technology at the bottom, and a lot of people are struggling, cognitive overload, et cetera. And then we've just lumped AI on top and we need mastery <laughs> everywhere to make it work for the business. Can we cope as, can the human system keep up or do we, will we need AI to do all the work for us? <laughs> I suppose I'd get, seek your view on that. Um, I think it's, I think it's, it's very dependent. Um, on, on what type of organization you are, I think, and, and, and the expertise that's within. One of the things that I see an awful lot of is there's not an, a, a good understanding of the, of the skills of the organization to cope with the rate of change. Yeah. Um, people just don't understand. They, they do change to the organization without understanding the landscape of the people in the organization to cope with that, that amount of change at one time. Um, and, and it's really important to take stock of the skills, the experiences, the will and the drive that every, every individual human has in the organization to, to, to enact and enable that change. And it's, you know, I mentioned the human in the loop, which is a very sort of defense-based term, but it's very, very um, mm. uh, important to stress that a human has to be in the loop all the way through, no matter what you're doing. And there's, I suppose, there's, there's huge cultural inertia to some of these things as well. Mm. So very process-focused, business-focused, IT's kept in the corner type organizations. They've got a lot of work to do to catch up, I feel like there's a, there's a big change that has to happen. And do you think it, it, technology will help or do you think it's just a, it's a slowly get going, get the flywheel moving and eventually well, good things will happen? I think technology is just one part. You know, um, you talk about process and, and, and keeping IT at arm's length. You know, again, it's a, so, you know, you talk about one cap Gemini and things like that. It's a very collaborative engagement. That's the thing um, when you're doing transformation of any type, whether it's accelerative or whether it's the business or digital. Uh, you cannot exclude different areas of the business from from this and then involve them when it just suits you. They have to be there right from the start. So everything together as one fusion of uh, everyone. Well, it has to be, yeah, yeah. Just to, to give a microcosmic example of the use of AI as, a, as an assistant, we actually use AI three or four times in the supply chain of just creating an episode of our show. So we, we use uh, AI at the beginning as part of the research um, that we do, that, that, that we then use as a jumping off point in the pre-meet with every guest that we do before we do a show. Um, we record on a, on a a cloud platform called Zencaster. Zencaster then uses AI to both auto-create transcripts, and we can then use, use AI to go from that transcript to a written blog that's consumable in a you know, relatively few hundred words. The transcripts of the shows are like 12 pages long, but we can turn that into a 500-word blog directly from the transcript. And then in the, in the technical production of the, of the show, when we do something live and there's a lot of background noise, um, our, our sound editor uses, uses AI tooling to be able to separate our voices from the, from the background. So even in just a tiny little thing like this, we're using AI four or five times now. That is taking hours out of work that goes in to produce something like this. So we, we spend about an hour a week on, present, on, on producing a show that goes out every single week. Um, tiny example of, of just how powerful it can be, but also just how dangerous, because if that data that we used for some of those questions was biased, then we're going to come off not looking great, let's say. So I want to talk directly about bias in data. So, so Fiona, give us a perspective that what, what are women in data doing look, looking at trying to ensure that the data sets of the past, which undoubtedly have bias built in, do not become the future of humanity? Yeah. 
Absolutely. I mean, this is, this is a key conversation that we need to have. So I'm an analyst by profession. Um, that makes us pragmatists by nature. <laughs> it also ensures that what we're really trying to do is simplify stuff. And this is very much around how do we leverage the value, and it's the value that's in AI, in terms of actually mm. making a difference to individuals, organizations, and society. Now, at the moment, we know that the AI that we're using at the moment, the models and particularly generative AI, as both Theo and uh, Rob said today, has been trained on data that is aged, that has biases in it. So I think what we really need to do from now on is, first of all, recognize those biases and understand that they exist. We can't change mm. history. We can't. We have to live with where we are right now. But it's so important that when we're using the data that we have, we know that those biases exist. We need to bring more diversity into the conversations. So when we're looking at those images like Rob showed us with the hamster with the tail yeah. or the, um, the, the scene which I loved uh, where you had a knight overlooking um, sort of I don't know where that was, but it was definitely processed pastoral land, that mm. there is a human, that there is a diverse set of people who are using, and I think we also mentioned earlier on today, the context, which is so important in terms of the interpretation, mm. the synthesizing of the ideas um, mm. and the work, so we bring the human back into the end conversation. We see... AI as a hugely powerful tool to help us within women in data to drive towards our goal as well. So we're very much hoping that as time goes on, that we can get the representation in the room from all diverse angles so that it is the value that we can leverage out of the tools that we have. And that's a real agenda, right? Because at the moment, from some of the data you shared with us this morning, we're not in the right place with that at the moment. We're not in the right place with that. And, you know, this morning I said that we have gone backwards. But that's not a reason not to continue. No. Yeah. And mm -hmm. hopefully the conversations that we're having around this room and in the wider room today really is a time for us to galvanise behind the, the sort of... Um, interregnum that we had caused by the um, pandemic mm. and the changes mm. there, but that we can really go on that sort of fast acceleration mm. um, that the technology is bringing us on, well, why not bring everybody along on that journey too? So, so if you think about that, we've heard one story uh, from Sage, we've heard some complexities, removing bias, etc. can we cope? But be also to Robert, I'm an organisation, I know I have to do something, where do I start? Where should I be looking first? Where should I take that first step into my AI journey with all the other stuff going on behind me? Yeah, we are Where in we the middle of that, aren't we? I mean, <laughs> this is what we're doing for the last five, six months. Yeah. Yeah. So really, I mean, the first thing you will do is just like being flabbergasted and this is going to solve everything, <laughs> you know, like we did in 2007. It is our savior. Yeah, 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 the, yeah. The cat recognition by Google, the deep learning in 2007, eight. It, it was solving the whole world. It was, yeah, it was going to solve our problems. So you have that wave. I, I hope we're through that one now. So now we can actually sit down. We have heard context. Theo says context is very important. You can get it with these large language models. They are good on context. What I try to show in my presentation is that it is not very good in recognizing the right context every time. That's where we need to start to make sure that we actually can solve these kind of issues with our customers. But we should not be... Doing nothing is not an option. I mean, this technology is there. It will not disappear. It is a very good interface between human mankind and the digital world. I, I compare it with the, uh, the transition from the command line to graphical user interfaces with mice for like 30 years ago, that all of a sudden 
democratized uh, computers. I mean, before that comment line excluded a lot of people. All of a sudden, these people came in there. Now we get the next step. So we have all of a sudden got a natural language interface. And honestly, here, I, I think I'm the only one that is truly trilingual. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, this technology is extremely good in, in really understanding people that, that are not native speakers as well. So mm -hmm. it, it really opens up. Uh, digital systems and, and tasks and task solver for this kind of um, people that we get more and more in the world. Huh? So we are traveling more, we are working together, we're digitally working together. What we have to do, this is the facade, this is the first, the front line, it looks very good. I've shown a lot of examples, visual examples, sound examples, text examples, but there is a lot of things to be solved on the, on the back end. I yep. mean, there's many topics that are not solved yet. We can solve them, we see parts. But these pathways have to be followed. And that is what we have to do at the same time when we're going to our customers and try to transform the business together with them. Hmm. So I, I heard a lot of good points. I mean, we need all the people of an organization to be onboarded, which is difficult in itself. Hmm. We need management completely to be committed to this kind of changes and really accept that AI is something that we need to bring, hmm. maybe even to the boardrooms. And, and discuss it honestly. I like the point you make about helping to connect people across boundaries, yeah. break the boundaries down yeah. and bring it all together, because that's got to be a great start, isn't it? it is Making it easy to, to connect. Yeah. It's not an easy thing to do. No. No, what, what I used to say, I mean, in my life, this AI life, I, I showed that meme, my AI experience is all about bringing data to AI models, the AI models to a, to a kind of a scaling with the customer. It was always very technical. And now all of a sudden we got this, and we have heard that in all these presentations and all these questions, uh, we have this personal aspect, we have the individual aspect, the sociological <coughs> aspect, and even the political and the geopolitical aspect that we never butted about when we talked about AI. I, I all of a sudden it comes into play. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think my big takeaways are that, you know, the, the race is on, this stuff isn't, isn't, just for, isn't just for personal use, though it's extremely useful for that too. But actually, um, we are, we're often running with this, but, but critical thought and human engagement has never been more important in, mm -hmm. terms, of, in terms of not only um, using this technology and, and understanding what you're seeing back, but when implementing this technology, it, it, it needs to be done correctly and responsibly. Um, we end every episode of the podcast by asking our guests what they're excited about doing next. And that could be they're looking forward to a good restaurant booking they've got at the weekend, or it could be they're looking forward to something in their professional life. So very briefly, because we've hit the red zone. We're in the red zone now. Um, We're in the paint zone. <laughs> Fiona, what are you excited about doing next? I'm excited to visit Zurich next week to see my son who's just moved there for his work. Um, it'll be the first time that I've been to Zurich, and I just can't wait. Enjoy. Thea. Uh, I'm excited to go home and play more Starfield. I'll <laughs> 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 maybe joining you. Yeah, yeah. Let's continue practicing on my guitar like pick up like uh, Good man, if we had more time, I'd ask you to play something, but we haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I'll join you. <laughs> Robert. Yeah, no, so I'm excited to go home and see my wife listening to a podcast on AI after 24 years of marriage. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be delighted, Robert. Yeah, like. Over to you. So a huge thanks to our guests this week. 
Ahmed, Fiona, Theo and Robert, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks also to our sound and editing wizards Ben and Louis, our snorkeling producer Marcel and of course to all of our listeners. We're on LinkedIn and X, Dave Chapman, Rob Kernhan and Xiao Kizal. Feel free to follow or connect with us and please get in touch if you have comments or ideas for the show. And of course, if you haven't already done that, rate and subscribe to our podcast. See you in another reality next week.